We have an exciting guest coming on for next week's episode, but we did take a week off of recording a new episode over Christmas. But I want to take the chance to share an old interview that my dad and brother did last spring. Although the conversation took a slightly different shape, this interview with Jordan Clemens is part of a series of videos that ultimately led to the Work is Good podcast as it is. Jordan's a real estate agent with Story Real Estate in Moscow, Idaho. He has a great perspective on why he loves his job, and he also offers valuable advice on being committed to your work without letting it consume you. Welcome to Work is Good, a podcast where we aim to help people enjoy and excel at their work. We do this by having conversations about the beliefs, qualities, and habits that make that possible. We also start every episode with a brief housing market update and a mortgage question of the week. My name is Landon Buto with Cleveland Street Mortgage, and I host this show with my dad, Chris Buto, the owner and president at CSM. Please enjoy this week's episode. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, oh yeah, you bet. And, um, you know, perhaps in, in a nod to the um, wisdom of your branding here, we always <laughs> want to start with story, right? You know, yeah. so, so that's really where we want to start today is uh, just... You know, tell us a little bit about your story. You know, I, I can read your bio. Yeah, and and, and you get you know you get a little bit of that where yep. you know kind of where you grew up and um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, tell us how you you know you know where you grew up, how you got here. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know whatever else is you think be important to know. Yeah, I'll start with essentially my bio and maybe yeah. like stretch yeah. out. That's there. great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I grew up in the Seattle area. Uh, always had a knack for sales to some degree. Um, and I did some high-end retail sales at Nordstrom. Yeah. Uh, okay. Briefly. So, so what were you selling? I was selling shoes. Okay. Kids' shoes. It's so yep. funny. All yep. the great salespeople I know started in shoes. I mean, yeah. many, not, not <laughs> yeah. many of them. Yeah. Now, it's, I, don't, I don't know why that is. Why is that? Why is it yeah. shoes? Yeah. Maybe it's just the guys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. The girls don't necessarily start in shoes. Yeah. But. Well, I was talking to, they, we have a shoe store just downtown here. Yeah. And I was talking to that guy about, he said the same thing exactly. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is being passionate about something that not everyone's passionate about. Yeah. You know, and being willing to be excited about it. Right. And then connecting with people that yeah. way. But yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Fun. So yeah, started there. Uh, decided I didn't want to do sales yeah. at that point. I was like, no way. Everyone says I should do it, but there's no way I'm doing it. Uh, Commission-based did not sound fun to me. The work environment wasn't great. Um, So decided not to do that. Uh, Then went into video editing. So came out to Moscow for New St. Andrews College, uh, you know, improved my communication skills through that, uh, critical thinking. Uh, Did some college marketing at that point, and then realized I'm way too social to be behind a computer all day. (laughs) So, and then uh, started talking to Chris, who started Story Real Estate. And uh, at that point, he eliminated all my concerns of the work environment not being there, not thinking for a larger purpose yeah. as far as sales go. And then I joined the team and just been rocking and rolling since. Yeah, that's so, cool. So tell yeah. me about the larger purpose. What does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah. So at Story Real Estate, um, you know, our, our mantra is uh, helping others build legacies. Yeah. That's what we're going for. Yeah. So a home is, and this is part of why we're called Story, a home is an integral part of someone's life. And sure. it happens in a big transitional yeah. moment. Uh, it could be a good thing, like mm-hmm. starting a family, you know, moving up, retiring, or it could be a death in the family, you know, something more serious. Yeah. Um, and so to enter in some somebody's story in that way and play that role of helping them into their next home uh, is a real honor. It's more than just doing a 15-minute sale, selling yeah. a pair of shoes, you know, which, which can be big. It can have an impact on yeah. them, but it's a different level when you get to build a relationship with someone yeah. and, and help them with that. So, well, that's cool. This yeah. might be kind of corny, but I think of... Um, 
you know, um, Miranda Lambert's song, The House That Made Me, The House yeah. That Built Me, yeah. you ever heard yeah. that song? Uh-huh. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of what, you know, but it's, but it's so true, you know? Mm. I mean, that really touches on the idea that in, in a big way, the physical environment that you grow up in has a lot to do with making you who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty cool that you guys absolutely. have tapped into that early. Yeah. And uh, you said college marketing, NSA? Yep. You yeah, you said so, so marketing NSA. Yeah. To potential students. Yep, exactly. So yeah. I'd coordinate videos, I'd record podcasts, yeah. I'd um, do all of that and edit it behind the computer. So cool. Yeah. Very, very, very yeah. fun. And, and and so graduated from college and what was your first job? This. This was it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I kind of, you know, starting commission based in the real estate world, you've, you've got some time before you get that first check. Yeah. So I did media for story part time as I eased into yeah. it because I had that skill set. So yeah, started right afterwards. That's great. Cole, Cole had a, um, you know, a little bit similar experience. I mean, it was, you know, I had the same, when I got into mortgage, same thing. You know, by the time I got into mortgage, I had three kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a CPA, you know, getting paid the salary and making this move into this commission based. And, and the same privilege was offered to me to, you know, hey, we'll give you a salary for a certain amount of time. Yep. And that's really vital, you know, when mm-hmm. you're, and of course, when you're right out of college, maybe, you know, you don't need as much of a lifeline, yeah. you know, because hey, if you yeah. fail, you can move to the next thing, you're, you know, not, but, but, um, but, you know, Cole, kind of talk about your intro into the mortgage side, you know, you, you got to come in with a little bit of a, you know, commission and, uh, and salary base yeah. and. Hmm. Yeah, definitely needed, for most 100% commission gigs, you definitely need some sort of intermediary right. salary to keep you keep the lights on while you're trying to build up to 100 percent commission yeah. and yeah it was the same thing with me people always told me that i should go into sales and because i'm good with connecting with people and i like people and i like connecting with people but i my only experience with sales was cold calling realtors mm-hmm. yes yeah. and i just sorry. <laughs> yeah well i'm, I'm sorry yeah, yeah. I, it's you know and i learned some good things from that but I, that is not what I wanted to do, and mm-hmm. I didn't think I could make a significant living just cold calling people. Um, I do think it, it helps sometimes, but I that's I wanted something different. And then Dad convinced me uh, a couple years ago that sales was more than just cold calling realtors. Yeah. So I've I've loved it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and one of the big things with starting out having that lifeline is a lot of times people can well. Let me back up. One of the biggest fears I had starting was having what we call commission breath. I don't yeah. Know that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Commission breath. I know the phrase. Like, yeah. I need to. I need yeah. to make this sale. Yeah. So you better like this house. And no, no, don't look at that. Yeah. No, don't look at the yeah. foundation. We're just buying it because yeah. I, I need to pay rent this yeah. month. Yeah. And that's like was my greatest fear. I do not want to have to make a sale and get someone into a home for the rest of their lives. That's not the right fit for them. Right. I had to feel any kind of pressure. Right. right. So having a lifeline like that base salary is so important because it helps you serve people. At another level and know that that's not even like in the back of your mind right. and your subconscious right. you know you're good to go so yeah. no that's that's great so so what's your role now with you know you, you started out you know like 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 you said you had you know and, and it sounded like maybe that was more or less you know, always kind of from the beginning just a way to kind of transition you into more full-time sales mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. gave you something very useful and and meaningful to do here and contribute and get a salary or a stipend at a time, and and but but what's your role now? And and you know, tell us a little bit about how that transitioned. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, less than a year, I was in the marketing role less than a year, and it was only about 10 hours a week. So it was very, very minimal. I was still doing the real estate side of things. Um, dropped out of that as soon as I could without having commission break. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I uh, was full-time as a buyer's agent. So our team is uh, split out so that our agents are either solely working with buyers looking to purchase homes or solely working with sellers looking to sell their home. So just more specialization there. Um, so I did that as a buyer specialist. Um, and then about a year ago, transitioned into the team lead role for the buyer's agent the buyer's team. Side. Yep. So, yep, so now I'm training, recruiting, and developing those agents while helping people find homes as well. So. That's great. So what does, um, what does developing look like in your mm -hmm. weekly role with these um, buyer's agents that you're training Yeah, developing? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's twofold. One is the client experience, um, helping them build their legacies as far as the buyers looking to purchase homes. Yeah. So how can we offer them a better, smoother experience in this market that we're in? Um, it's not like we can go looking for listings and get an easy sale right. we're just working with buyers. So how can we serve them best? So that's one side, helping them build their legacies. The second thing would be personal development for the agents themselves. Um, agents are known for having busy lives, crazy lives, kind of, you know, yeah. they're always on their phone, they're always getting up and leaving, and we want to make sure the lifestyle of the agents are positive as well. So helping them build their legacies is, is a second piece of that development. So Very cool. How do you do that? Just as a mortgage guy, um, same thing, right? Yeah. You know, you're always like, oh, sorry, i got to take this call. Yeah. Um, how do you do that? You know, um, it's, you know, I, I was in um, public accounting for a long time, and, um, you know, there were certain, you know, I saw a lot of businesses, a lot of business owners, and, and I saw a lot of guys that were married to their jobs, you know, yeah. and, and to the exclusion of a lot else. And, um, and I always, always felt like it was more about the guy than the job, you know, but so how do you, how do you, what do you impart to your, to your agents to say, hey, this is how you manage that aspect? Yeah. Um, I mean, it takes a huge level of intentionality. Yeah. So you have, you have two choices. You can either let your business run you or you can run your business, yeah. one or the other. And so you have to make that decision, and in order to stay true to that, you need to have a core why behind everything that you do. Right. Um, and for us, that's helping others build legacies on a broad level, and then each of the agents have something very specific that applies to their life, and none of them include working 80 hours a week. Yeah. That's the core yeah. motive yeah. for their life. Yeah. And so whenever they feel that push, especially in the, the busier season, which is where we're at now, it's like, okay, um, you know, one of... One of my agents, um, their goal is to create stability for themselves and the people around them. Yeah. And being on your phone all day is not creating stability for your family. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so right. it's like, okay, you have a choice right now. You can take this appointment at 8 p.m. or you can be with your family. Yeah. Which one are you going to choose? And if you bring it back to the why, that's strong enough to, um, you know, run your business and not the other way around. Correct. Yeah, that's so. great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you are never, if you're always on your phone and never showing your family attention, then that can create very unstable, insecure people around you. you yeah. Know? So that, that's a great goal from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're trying not to add to the statistics right now. Uh, 80, 90% of agents drop out before they hit three years. Yeah. And yeah. I'd say that's largely there. They see the financial freedom possibilities. They see the time freedom possibilities and they grasp for the time freedom before the financial, um, yeah. or they get so run into it that they don't have any time freedom, right? Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to keep that Just balance. Keep no, that's, yeah. How do you recruit? What's your approach to, are you just 
keeping an eye out for quality people, or are you telling, just getting the word out and seeing who bites? What's your yeah, pitch? we are um, very particular about who we hire. Um, because we do function as a team, um, so we're all lead genning together in the yep. same room. We're sharing our strategies with each other. It's very different than a traditional individual yep. agent brokerage, so we need to really trust everyone we have. Yep. So our interview process usually takes 10 to 15 hours um, yep. before yep. we bring that sitting down in conversation with them. Um, so we're really intentional and we're looking for people who are excited about the job, have a big why, and it can't just be money, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. and then uh, and they're also willing to learn and willing to be humble yeah. uh, through yeah. that process. So That's, that's funny you mentioned that, um, about that trust aspect. I remember that was one of my kind of first real eye-openers when I first got into the mortgage business. We had a real estate office right next to one of the big national brands, um, mm -hmm. and, um, and I remember you know, I, I made a connection with an agent, went into her office to talk to her, and when she was talking about a deal she had, she lowered her voice to a whisper. And I was like shocked. You know, yeah. I mean, it really took me aback. It was like, wow, you know, she's in an environment where she so distrusts mm -hmm. everybody around her that she has to whisper about her transaction for fear of obviously, you know, losing the deal, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, it just made me sad, you know, yeah. um, to think oh, that must be a horrible environment to work in. So, so obviously that's a real thing. So, um, so what are some of the challenges, you know, uh, about what you do? What, what are your, you know, what are your challenges on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, yeah. your whole role, whether it be training, developing, mm -hmm. selling. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take each of those. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. the obvious one right now for buyers is low inventory. Yeah. So we're having to get pretty creative with how we find deals, how we service buyers. Um, agents are at the point, um, you know, broadly speaking, nationally, where they're turning away buyers because they just don't have the capacity to serve them anymore. And so building out systems where our agents have freedom and they're able to serve a, long, a large number of buyers at a very high standard is a big part of what I do. So that's been a real challenge to find those deals, keep buyers encouraged, and um, you know connect with them and serve them at a high level. Did, um, I, did I hear that you guys were checking Craigslist for listing? Or oh, you, yeah. Do you yeah. check Craigslist? Oh, yeah. Do you find listings on Craigslist? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, there's, you know, Craigslist, Zillow, yep. stuff listed by agents. Um, every morning we spend uh, two to three hours, each agent in the office, calling homeowners and buyers trying to, to get connected to houses. So um, we do that 10 hours. Let's see, it's 50 to 60 hours on the phone a week. Wow. Um, that, just to find these deals for yeah. our clients. Yeah. So wow. that's a huge focus for us right so now. So how are you... How are you deciding who to call? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we, we have a huge database of people that we've built up over the last couple yeah. of years. So yeah. we've often connected with a lot of them and we're reconnecting um, or we'll just call neighborhoods that um, you know, are in high demand. Attractive, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, cool. your, your neighbor's home just sold for 200,000 more than you bought your home yeah. for. Like, do you want, is that helpful to have that cash? Do you want to know what your home is worth? Um, and just take the conversation yeah. from there. That's great. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, you know, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense because the the pipeline of buyers is going to be much larger than normal. Yeah. You know, that you're having to serve at a high level, like you talk about, because because it's not the typical sixty day sales cycle or ninety day sales cycle. It could be a six month sales cycle. Oh yeah. You know? Easy. And mm -hmm. so you accumulate all those buyers in there, and you've got to 
keep the touch points going and keep them yep. motivated. So yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and a, a big piece of that, it, it can be discouraging to look at home after home after home after home. Mm-hmm. And so we sit down with every buyer and have a you know one hour consultation with them and get down to what they're looking for. Not bedrooms and baths, but why do you want three bedrooms? Why do you yeah. want two baths? What does a yard mean to you? So that we know exactly what they're looking for. So on average, our buyers look at three homes before finding the right one. Yeah. Um, even in this market, and Which if they don't, low, we meet really. up with them again. That's pretty low. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. pretty good. Yep. Speaks highly to you guys. Yeah, yeah. We we don't want them to see a home that's a waste of their time. And yeah, so yeah. We'll say, hey, this yard is smaller than the last one we saw. Do you still want to see it? Oh no, no, we don't. You know, no. that's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's that's, that's, that's cool. I never I never would have thought of that, but mm-hmm. um, that makes a lot of sense because that gives you guys the broadest possible funnel of homes. Right. You know, when you have a mm-hmm. more refined understanding of why they. You know, not just their gut reaction of, yeah, I want three bed, two bath. Yep. You know, I want yep. a yard for the kids or the dog or whatever. Exactly, so, yeah. Cool. And we, we'll see that home on Craigslist and, you know, Samantha pops in my mind right away. Yeah. Like, oh, this is perfect for her. Yeah. And she's on the phone in a second yeah. because it's been an intentional conversation. Yeah. So, yep. So um, what's one thing that consumers of your services should hear? What, what, what's, yeah. you know, what's something that you want them to know or wish they knew or... Yeah, this, it's really hard to communicate because people think I'm just being a salesperson, but regardless of you know, where you're at in the country, you, know, you don't have to be in my market, but <laughs> connecting with a real estate agent sooner rather than later um, because they can connect you with you know, great mortgage lenders. Yeah. They can connect you with financial advisors. Um, you know, our goal is to be a resource, so I've sat down and had a consultation with people six years out from buying. And that's like that. And if you have the right agent, they'll be excited to do yeah, that and right. happy to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I'd say, hey, if you're just planning connect with an agent, find out what that process looks like. I did that with someone just this last year. Um, They were five years out from buying, met with them, um, and then six months later they had a huge promotion and they were able to buy. And they knew they could buy because of the conversation we had yeah, and then, you know now they're in a home. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, it's just good to start planning early, get connected with someone you trust. And I'm sure, like you said, um, you know one of the things. You know, I we have that same experience where, especially first-time home buyers, it's such an abstract thing in their heads. You know, yeah. in terms of they look at the market and they think, wow, that's expensive. Yeah, maybe you know, love to be able to buy that kind of a house, but they really have no way of translating that. And 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 since it's since it is abstract and, and, and largely clouded for them, they, they feel like they, they can never get there, you know? And, and, I'm, I'm, and, I, and I tell people this, I said, you know, when you meet with me, just be prepared. Because I have people come to me and say, yeah, we're, we're a year out. And I just, you know, and, and then three months later, they're in a house. Yeah. You know, after <laughs> yep. we've met, because they all of a sudden realize, wow, I can do this. Yep. You know, and, 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 it, and it's not just that, you know, they, I think they always believe they could do it, but, but without translating it into something concrete, mm-hmm. it's just a lot harder to, to feel like, I, you know, okay, I'm ready to do this. And so I can see how, you know, having that you know, initial meeting with you and, and really scoping that out, making it less of a big dark box out there and saying, no, let's talk about what you want and how we can get there and what it would take and connect you with the, you know, with the finance people, the mortgage people. Yep. Yeah, I've yeah. had that same experience where mm-hmm. time and time again, you know, especially first-time home buyers, you know, all of a sudden they go, wow, I can do this. And now they're out motivated and yep. pretty soon they're buyers. Yep, yep. absolutely. And, and it comes down to that, that level of trust, right, yeah. which we've mentioned a few times now. But it's, um, I don't know what it's like for the mortgage industry, but on the realtor side, uh, we're rated lower than used car salesmen and satisfaction yep. ratings and, and trust levels. And it's like, well, I mean, that's fair, yeah. you know, given our industry. Uh, the difference between a used car salesman and a realtor is 
you won't walk out of the door with keys after an hour yeah. of talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like, hey, yeah. you know, if you don't like the realtor, you know, not if you don't trust them, don't work with them. Right. You know, just walk out. Yeah. Um, and it can set you up really well if you do find someone yeah. who's a good fit. So, well, yeah. at least you guys didn't take the fall for the 2010 crash. Like yeah, the mortgage uh, brokers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was quite a, a recovery process. But uh, so, well, um, I want to pivot a little bit. Um, you know, Proverbs 14 says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean. Mm. But much increase comes through the strength of an ox. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, Landon brought that verse into this conversation. Uh, I, I used to love that verse, you know, just when our kids were young. Yeah. Um, you know, we had five kids. And I used to think about that a lot, you know, is because our, our trough was almost never clean. You know, it was, you know, five mm -hmm. kids, lots of activity. Yeah. And, and, but much increase comes through, you know, some, sometimes the messes, you know, the, the, the unavoidable messes that come with productive activity. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, situations you've had where, you know, you've had to embrace the mess yeah. and kind of trust that it's productive. And, yeah, no, you, there's, there's a level where you can plan things out and be intentional with your time yeah. and a level where you just have to expect chaos and, yeah. and be okay with that. Yeah. So we do, you know, we do those calls in the morning and in the afternoon we call, we usually have empty and it's just the mess, mess time. Yeah. You, know, yeah. like you make a mess in the morning, yeah. you deal with it in the afternoon, yeah. appointments, showings, contracts, all those things. Uh, and so I'd say, you know, when you're busy, you're going to need to do evening showings. You're going to need to stretch yourself some and that's, you have time freedom, but also you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a mess. Yeah. Uh, the the verse I always connect with this one is, um, he that showeth soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Yeah. He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Yeah. You know, there's there's a trade off there. The oxen need to be used for something. Right. So uh, so you know, putting putting that to use, being wise with the time you have, and knowing. I mean, my first year, I I was more like an eighty an hour agent um, because I knew it was short term. Yeah, you know, I knew it was going to be messy, and I knew where I wanted to be within two or three years. Yeah, um, and so I just just embraced that. Yeah, but it looks like um, you know being willing to prioritize things differently with yeah. time. I'd say is the big one. So, no, that's a great. Yeah, yeah, I, I I appreciate that because you know it is, um, you know it is you know when you talk about you know being intentional with your time, you know a lot of people might think that okay, you know six o'clock I'm done. Yeah, and I never. You know, I never pick up the phone or do anything until eight o'clock the next morning. But that's not really the way our mm -hmm. our business works. And so it is really more about being intentional about the overarching structure, mm -hmm. so that you are. Because I, you know, I've I've had the privilege of going to all the soccer games and do, you know doing all of those things. You know, because my work was very flexible. But I was also the guy on the phone a lot, looking at the phone a lot and doing, you know, yeah. doing those sorts of things too. And so, so I, I like the fact that, you know, it, it is kind of a both end, yeah. you know, and, um, and, but being intentional about, you know, about your why and helps make sure it doesn't spin out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like sometimes people don't see the mess. You know, they, they yeah. see you at the soccer games, yeah. you know, they see you doing the fun things, right. but they don't see you working at eight, nine, ten o'clock when things just need to get done. Right. You know, and when you run a business, you know, yeah. any business owner has experienced that. Yeah. So wherever there's going to be oxen, wherever the oxen are, they're going to make a mess somewhere, you know, so you can either make the mess and deal with it like you were saying mm -hmm. and be willing to deal with it whenever you need to. You could set it, your time aside, but you just have to be willing to, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere. Um, so it's, for me, it's 
having my expectations set for what I need to be doing uh, to succeed in this industry. So sometimes that means working in a coffee shop and that's not always the best place, most productive place to be, but that's where you get to meet people. And that's, that coffee shops are central hubs to communities. Mm -hmm. And so those are great places for me to meet and connect with people and um, talk to some story real estate agents and you know their goal is to have a certain number of real estate conversations every week mm -hmm. and so those are a great opportunity to have those conversations and just stay top of mind to people but then just knowing when I need to uh, get away get to a more productive area and actually get the work done that from the messes that I've created you know with with the conversations that I started yeah now I need to go and actually do the the dirty work, do the hard work, and uh, you know, actually work for these people that I've started made connections with. So, just knowing the balance between that and uh, being willing to put up with the sacrifices that you know you need to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that ex expectations—that's yeah. huge. Yeah, that is huge. We, uh, you know, just talking to people who are interested in becoming an agent. Someone says, "Oh, I love houses," or you know, "I, I yeah. love architecture." Uh -huh. and it's like, okay, that's. <laughs> That's a sliver. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a sliver. Yeah. I love yeah. talking with people. It's like, yeah, you're going to talk to people a lot. There's yeah. also a lot of other things that happen, you know. And how, how about knocking on doors, and how about mm -hmm. dealing with yeah. sewage layout and runoff, and yep, no understanding that and how that affects a house and all. Yep. Like, there's all of that. You know, that's mm -hmm. not as glamorous as Better Homes magazines. Yeah, come look at my uh, major in trough real quick. <laughs> See if you yeah. still want to. Yeah. You know? Come smell. And, yeah. and and I love it. You know, yeah. there's you know, I'm not saying it's not a good right. thing, but yeah. it's not for everybody. Right. And you should know what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So um, what's what's one principle of work or lesson in general that people on social media should be reminded of? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Actually this this is pretty easy. Yeah. There is so much misinformation yeah. about the real estate market. Everyone's an expert. If yeah. you have a Google search, you're an expert. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so getting connected with people who know what they're talking about, getting connected with a good good lender, right. um, and ideally a local lender, because um, you know, you're gonna, uh, they're going to know the particular market best. Yeah. You know, Cole, you're here in town, and it's like, you know more about Moscow because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of general information about the real estate market just out there, which is true nationally, but there's lots of micro markets, and what's true nationally may not be true locally. Yeah. Uh, and so I just be wary of, of information there. The second thing is um, agents sometimes spread misinformation depending yeah. on their agenda. So we see listing agents trying to generate leads, say, oh man, the average price in this town is $800,000. You should come talk to us. And say, yeah. well, that's how, you know, I'm looking at the statistic, like, how yeah. did they get that yeah. number? Yeah. Like, they, you know, who knows yeah. how they yeah. cut that? Just, yeah. But they're trying to generate listings and then all of my buyers get discouraged. Right. You know, and it's like, well, yeah. Talk to someone who's your advocate, not an advocate for the seller, or not an advocate for, you know, it can go the other way too, not yep. an advocate for the buyer. Right. So um, get somebody who's in your court and get info from them and not, you know, Aunt Maggie on the phone, you know, yeah. on, on Facebook. So. No, that's a good, that's a good point. So, yeah. so um, kind of related to that, maybe what is, what is one of the biggest, most common sources, you know, not sources, but types of misinformation you see out there on social media, say, about the real estate market? Yeah. What, what do you see out there that you think, okay, that's, that needs to be corrected, or that's not correct? Or... Yeah. Um, to, I mean, I can't afford a home. 
yeah. is a big one. Yeah. And, a, you know, some people can't, but a lot of people can. Yeah. And they don't realize it. Right. Um, you know, I there's no homes on the market. There are. There, yeah. There's been more homes this year than last year at this time. Yeah. And um, they're going fast. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you're browsing, you're going to miss them. Yeah, but right. if you're intentional about it, you'll get them. Yeah. Um, and so I think just, you know, out of, um, you know, frustration and fear of being disappointed, people don't even look into it. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. And then they make a, make a decision out of lack of information rather than information. Um, that's, no, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, what's, what's one of the things, I mean, obviously we know kind of the obvious things you do to prepare your clients to win. Mm-hmm. But what are, the, you know, what are the really vital things that you do to prepare your clients to win you know, in this yeah. very tough market for buyers? I mean, it is a tough market for yeah, buyers, right? Yeah. Uh, but there is inventory, like you said. People are buying. Yep. Um, so what are you doing to prepare your you know, what do you, to each individual client, what are you saying to them to say, you need to be ready to win? I mean, one of the things, you know, that we see as mortgage guys, you know, is, you know, we'll be working with clients and, and you know, and, and our, obviously our understanding of the market of the real estate side of the market is superficial, mm-hmm. right? We're not nearly as informed as the agents are. And so, you know, we'll look at Redfin or we'll look at Zillow or whatever. But I mean, I've, I've had clients, you know, and they're with agents and, and I know they're struggling to, to qualify and to afford, and so I know why they're doing this, but they're, you know, they're putting, you know, listing price offers on every hot home out there, and they're yep. just, they're not even in the conversation. Yep. You know, because these homes are all going for 10, 15, 20% over. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes as a mortgage guy, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with saying, you know, I, I don't want to take food out of anybody's mouth, out mm-hmm. of any realtor's mouth. But sometimes I feel like I, you know, you might need a more aggressive realtor. You know? mm-hmm. um, so yeah. what, what's your thoughts about that? What, you know, kind of, yeah. Those are two different questions. Sorry. No, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of great. Pile those on that's top great. Of each other. <laughs> yeah. okay. I'd yeah. probably, I mean, I boil it all down to just education. Yeah. Like, I see that as my primary role. Yeah. Um, so in that consultation I was talking about, to prepare buyers, we walk them through the whole process, start to finish, answer every single question we can think of, go through yeah. the purchase contract, there will be zero surprises. That's the goal. Yeah. Zero surprises. When you go under contract, the question isn't what's next. It's okay. We're getting to work now. You know, we know what we know what's upcoming. We yeah. know what to do, um, and that just alleviates a lot of fear. And usually after that, the response is, "Wow, that's so much simpler than I thought it would be." Yeah. And I understand it so much better. Yeah. And so getting that education first off on just building confidence with the buyers in this yeah. in this tough market. Um, the second on the, you know, competition side is understanding how homes are priced. The, you know, a listing price is completely arbitrary, right? The right. seller just threw a number out right. there. Good agents will price it, you know, strategically, yeah. but a lot of the time people are just putting a number out yeah. and seeing what happens. Um, you know, that does not dictate the price of a home. Right. It could be 20,000 too high, it could be 50,000 too low. Yeah. Um, what dictates a home value is the um, desire for it, right? The demand for it. And so what we do is once I know what a buyer is looking for to prepare them, we look at past sales. Not what's on the market right now, not the arbitrary numbers, but what are homes actually selling for based on that yard you want, the three bedroom and the price point you're comfortable with. Um, and once we look at that, they know, okay, when this home comes on the market, similar to the one that sold three weeks ago, we'd like to have it. Yeah. And if it's priced 50K under this, we know it will probably get up to this level. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Hey, we need to bring it down. You yeah. know, even in this market, homes can be overpriced, yeah. right? and they often are. Yeah. So, Yeah, well, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with 
setting expectations and just at the beginning of you know the initial consultation saying if you want to get in a house then you're probably going to have to go 50 or 60,000 I mean depending on the neighborhood if you're mm -hmm. in Woodenville in the Seattle area you're probably going to have to go 100 to 200 to 300,000 over asking price here probably you know I don't know you know that probably varies but just getting borrowers on board with that is important because if they're not then you're just going to be wasting everybody's time making an offer at list price and then right. discouraging them in the meantime yep absolutely absolutely and it takes it takes that intentionality you can go on autopilot and just you know start throwing money at it mm -hmm. but in the last year i've put in an offer um you know a hundred thousand over asking price rejected Right. Yeah. Put in an offer thirty k under, and it's accepted. Yeah. You know, it really. Right. Yeah. It really is that education yeah. expectation thing. It's yeah. Huge. It's market local market knowledge is yeah. huge. Mm -hmm. Mi yeah. Micro markets, like you talked yeah. about, which I wanted yeah. to ask, what are, what are a couple different micro markets in Moscow here, like, yeah. There is it dependent on street or neighborhoods. Yeah. Or geological. You mentioned a certain street is on a, a runoff, like runoff is an issue. Mm -hmm. And so are there different micro markets like that around here? Yeah, yeah. I'd say um, two big factors for within Moscow city limits, make that three. I just thought of a third yeah. one. Three, yeah. <laughs> three big things would be uh, developments that are upcoming. So yeah. maybe there's a really desirable neighborhood going in and that's going to improve your value. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's about to destroy your view. You know, those yeah. are, those are yeah. big, big factors. Um, another one is just zoning. Generally, you know, can you have a big apartment built right next to you? Because with the city developing more and more, that's a really yeah. big factor. Could be a concern. Um, and the third one I already forgot, but it was yeah. good. It was good. So <laughs> if I bring it back, I bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually just thought of it. Right, so we got <laughs> Number three would be just proximity to downtown. Yeah. So, um, and this surprises people. People like me who grew up in the Seattle area, it, thirty minutes drive anywhere. Period. Right. That's just what's happening. Here, if you want to do a 15-minute commute, as local locals yeah. call it, you know, out Troy, uh -huh. Genesee, Viola, just these little towns, your home could be fifty dollars to $100,000 cheaper. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just because of that. So don't be comparing those two homes because they're really different right. Right, in this area. Yeah. And that's just not true of other larger mm -hmm. cities. So. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Question about appraisal. <laughs> Tell us about, you know, has that been a challenge at all as, as you've entered into this kind of hyper-seller's market that we've been in for a yeah. while and obviously bidding prices up? Um, what's, what's that been like in this particular market area? Yeah, in this market, over the last two years, it really hasn't been too much of an issue. Yeah. Um, because we're a smaller market, I think the appraisers know to reach out to us and say, hey, give me your comps. You know, yeah. like, what, how did you get to the price of the home? And we're able to provide those to them, yeah. you know, and, and give them kind of a case of this is this is why we think we're not overpaying. Right. So here you go. So um, I've I've never had any any deal appraisal low. Yeah. Um, that being said, the last usually this time of year is when we will see low appraisals if things yeah. don't come in because spring. It's the start of the spring. Yeah. The home prices are going up because of the demand. But we don't have them closed yet, so you can't use them as comparables, right? Because right. they can't look at what's on the market, right. you have to look at what's closed. Right. So you're looking at winter prices for the spring yeah, market. Um, so we've had more appraisals come in low recently. Yeah. Um, and so there's ways to navigate that. Yeah. Not as big of an issue here as other places because appraisers are happy to, to connect with us and we have yeah. relationships with them. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really great. Yeah. 
Um, what's uh, one unique thing you do on a regular basis that helps you excel at your work? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, just those like lead generation I was talking about, being yeah. on the phones with people on a weekly basis, daily basis. It's easy when you get busy to say, oh, I don't, I don't have time for that yeah. anymore. But that's, you know, that's what started either um, you getting the buyers to work with yeah. or the homes for those buyers to purchase. Yeah. You know, you're serving them at the highest level by remaining focused on that. Yeah. So we keep each other accountable for that. That's the main thing we look at, main metric is, um, Cole, you mentioned it, conversations. You know, we have a, a number of real estate conversations we want to have with people in order to provide homes for buyers yeah. um, in this market. So, That's great. Yeah. Super good. Well, we're going to start to bring this in for a landing. Um, so tell us about uh, Cole. Cole said you're a reader. Yeah, I do. So what's uh, one book you've read in the last year that, uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, if I can stretch that a little bit to be a little longer than a year. Yeah. 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 Okay, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, based on just what we've talked about, yeah. I think The One Thing by Gary Keller okay. is, yeah. is a huge one. And um, he's Gary Keller of Keller Williams. Of Keller Williams, yeah. yep. Yeah. He's one of the two people who yeah. started Keller Williams. Yeah. Um, largest brokerage, 300,000 agents. Um, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So it's a really good book. It's not agent-specific whatsoever. Yeah. It's more development and focus. Yeah. So kind of the core principle is you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. Yeah. So it's the level of what, what's the one thing you can do to make everything else easier in your life or unnecessary. Um, and for our business, that's those phone calls in the yeah. morning. That's our one thing. Um, and for everyone, it's going to be a little different. But it's a great book about time management, focusing on what's important, um, being present with where you're at. So that's very cool. Highly recommended. Yeah. 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 Okay, this one isn't on the list, but um, <laughs> so like, do you ever just read for fun? And what do you read for fun? Yeah, yeah, I do read for fun. I'm actually, uh, I have an Audible subscription. Yeah. I try to keep solely to fun books. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, so right now I'm working through Treasure Island. Oh, nice. Which is, yeah. which is a fun one. So yeah. we're turning to that. Um, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I uh, love C.S. Lewis. So, yeah, like fiction. Chronicles of Narnia or. Mm -hmm. Yep, Space Trilogy. Space Trilogy. I love Space recently. Trilogy. Yeah. 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 When do you find the time to listen to books? Yeah, so he I. Have... In, yeah, potlatch. Yeah, yeah. 15 minutes <laughs> every job. day. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, unfortunately, yeah. about two minutes yeah. from the yeah. office. Yeah. So I don't have that. Yeah, it doesn't really no, work. No. Yeah. no, it's really, and I think the one thing talks about this is anything you want to do is on your calendar. Like, yeah. for when you can have the flexibility we have, you need to add some rigidity yeah. to your life yeah. to do the things that's important. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I literally have reading time on my calendar before bed. So, um, and I'll, I'll get up in the mornings too and do some yeah. reading. Okay. So. Do you do it in bed or do you sit down at a, ta at a chair? And, I'll sit down at yeah. a chair. I, no, yeah. I'll, I'll get half a page. Yeah, I know. That's kind of <laughs> And you're listening too. So yeah. you're just going to yeah. 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 bed. Yep, yep. It's not yeah, that's go a mistake I made. Too much of my reading is in bed. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, read a chapter and then go back to like two pages in and read it yeah, again yeah. because I slept <laughs> through the last part, you know. Um, so outside of um, biblical characters, who's the most influential figure mm. in your life? Influential figure. I mean, my parents, my dad, I suppose, yeah. is probably the biggest. Yeah. He did a great job of adding structure and stability to our life. Um, and that's something I want to model for sure. So did he do sales or what was his? He didn't. He vocation? he was doing something very different than what yeah, I did. Yeah. So yeah, he worked for Boeing. Yeah, uh, doing software engineering yeah. work for the military defense right. department. Yeah. So, um, but it was you know he had a lot going on, a lot of extracurricular things he was doing outside of work. Um, but every day he was home for meals. Yeah, you know, like clockwork, same time. Yeah. 
um, very focused on that structure, and that was hugely valuable to me growing up. And just added a baseline of stability, which I wasn't aware of at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it has had a huge impact on me. That's so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, last question: If we record another video a year from now, what updates do you expect to have? I would say we've you know, potentially double the number of buyers that we're working with on yeah. a yearly basis as far as, you know, they're in closed homes. So we're serving more people, helping more people build their legacies um, externally and then internally um, we've doubled the number of buyer agents we have in order to meet that capacity. So those are the two big things. I think we have the systems and ability to help a lot of people, but um, we need more agents to make that happen. Yeah. So, so um, doubling, how many do you have now? We have five buyers agents right now. So you want to get to 10? Minimum. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And you want to, that's by the end of calendar 2022 is your goal? Yeah. I would, I would say really about a year, I mean a year from now. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. So actually 12 months. Good. Yep. That's cool. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it, leave a review and listen next week.